should be getting extra sleep on a Friday night, which used to be like the party night, you know, where you'd stay up late. I mean, I was in bed, and I stayed up late. I was in bed at 10.30 last night and slept till about 6.45. So you weren't up that much. I thought you were maybe up at 6. No, it was 6. I I woke up at 6. It was 6.48. And uh, I decided to get up because because I knew that in the other room, my alarm for my 7 a.m. medications would go off at 7 o'clock. And I knew that that would wake you up, even though it wouldn't wake me up. If I well, my alarm sleep. is on for 7 o'clock, Well, too. I didn't know that at the time, Diane, is what I'm saying. I, I didn't see, know that at the time. I see. You, know? you have to give a guy a chance to say, It's 8.45 a.m. Saturday, September the 24th, 2022. I'm Boo. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane <laughs> Show. <laughs> September 25th. Is it the 20th? Did I say 25th? Or should I said 24th. Oh, 24th. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's all right. Either still, way. September 24th. <laughs> still, September 24th. What the 24th. heck? The fall is going too fast. Although it's been a little late arriving, I think. It's, 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 yeah, uh, it doesn't it's, feel much like fall. Well, it does. Although it, I, did, I did change out all the decorations in the house for yes. fall. So. This, is, this has got to be this house in its full uh, coloration, I would say, because the fall colors you put up are the same colors that we have on the walls. Exactly. So it's like a... You know, when you talk about the color being in the room, not just on the walls and stuff, this is the time when that is most magnified, I think, the time of year when it's most magnified. As people must know that I, I try to create a sort of inner bower of... People must know this, Diana? Yes. They must. They must. Okay. All right. Well, otherwise, they I don't... I just want to make sure know, I'm clarifying. If they want to get the full... Yes. Experience of... Experience of what it's like in the living room at this time. <coughs> yeah. It is fully fully flowering in fall foliage and fecund um, flora. Okay, Bill. <laughs> Wasn't fall kind of fecund? Yes, it is. Yes. I would say so. Yes. Not that fecundity is a bad thing, although it tends to have negative connotations. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble now. She's looking it up. Look it up! Yeah, the ability to produce an abundance of offspring or new growth fertility, and that's what happens when you have decay. Yes, it is the ultimate expression. Anyway. Well, autumn yes. is, as has been stated many, many, many times on this show, my favorite time of year. Autumn is welcome here, Diane. Autumn is welcome here. And winter, hey, you know, not, not a bad guy. You know, once you get to know him, hang out with him, you know. I think the, my time in Twisp kind of gave me a sense of the fullness, the abundance that is wintertime. And it's part in the natural uh, cycle of things. Uh, the water cycle being most evident. What is it, Bill? Nothing. 
what's your issue? I got no issue. <laughs> I just seem, I'm, sometimes I'm surprised at the sentences that come out of my mouth. <laughs> guess it's, you, know, you start one and you think, well, where is this going? I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. And then it actually kind of goes somewhere. It might be obscure, it might be ah, ham and eggs. a little far afield, but what the heck. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been that kind of week here in Lake Abundance, you know, kind of far afield and what the heck. Over to you, Diane. This week has, uh, I would say it is quieter in activity, mm-hmm. although we did go, we went to the wonderful Edmonds Senior Center for lunch yesterday, the, yeah. the gorgeous view. Yeah. I always love that. That was lovely. And other notable situations uh, during the week were that we got another video from our yeah. adopted grandson, Henry. Yeah. Henry's rocking it. And he is he's calling um, some attention from... from uh, big, big time people. Big time people. Big time and people. He's, he's doing an Instagram feed and... His uh, inst- his latest Instagram post was liked by the guy who is the lead guitarist for Alice Cooper. Yeah, you know, and he was he's also been apparently contacted by some guitar strap manufacturer in Japan. Is it? I thought it was Israel. Oh, he's, okay. Wanting to know if he would endorse their products. <laughs> he's getting he's getting endorsement deals offered to him. You know. Amazing, isn't it? Well, I it? mean, it, it, for me, it's like this is, the, this is the 21st century marketplace of ideas and things like that. And it's uh, the fact that Henry's, Henry's, what, Henry, Henry's 10, right? 10 years old. To be 10 years old and to be having this kind of exposure, it just shows me that the world is a vastly different place. You know, if Henry had come to me and asked for my advice on how he could advance his career... I would have been thinking, as a local guy, you know, I would have been thinking, hook up with a band, get just get something going, start maybe start writing some songs. You know, things like that. I would be pushing him in those kind of directions. And but because probably I think a good deal because of Stefan and his knowledge, yeah, uh, and his connections. Maybe I mean, Stefan is wired into the 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 current marketplace, and. Uh, in terms of social media exposure and the importance of that in the today's world, he knows how to put Henry in the right place. And Henry is ready, you know? Well, but he's he's got both uh, incredible skills. He really has incredible skills, mm-hmm. and he's got charisma. He's, he's a charismatic young man. Yeah. So, so bravo, it's, Henry. It's, it's weird to me because, uh, uh, you know, like I was saying, if he came to me and asked for my advice, I would have been, you know, I would be saying, find a bass player and a drummer. A nice, get a good rhythm section going, because that's what, he's got all the chops. He just needs a, a good rhythm section to play with, you know. So, good on you, Henry. Unbelievable stuff. but But way outside my... Anything that I would even attempt, but just because I, I'm old and I really don't have the desire anymore. I may have had it at one point in my life and then discovered very quickly that I had no idea what I was doing in that realm and felt very uncomfortable there. 
and realize that I was one of those people that would need a Stefan in order, in order to <laughs> really get anywhere in the world or something like that, you know. Most of the guys that we know that have gotten anywhere uh, in the music world, it's been because someone else joined the team and said, I will devote myself to making yeah, you successful. that is true. You know, and that's a relationship that, that has a limited lifespan to it. It's almost baked into it. Uh, that that kind of relationship can't go on forever because the manager is, you know, he's not living his life, you know, or whatever. You know, it seems like there'd have to be a moment of where the where the person who had devoted himself to the other would would there would be a reckoning with his own spirit at some point. But I don't know. Maybe that's the that's there. There are certain people for whom that is where they are led in their lives. Is to well, I do know that. Uh, Tim Noah, who yeah. uh, I recently had interviewed for uh, another article. Mm-hmm. But when I did his first album project article, he attributed a lot of his success to his brother, his brother Creed. Creed and, and, his, and his sister-in-law, in-law. Mary, yeah. really believing in him and doing all the the work to get him yeah. out there. and. And that was a success. And the same thing happened when I think of Michael Tomlinson, the success he had. Yeah. Very much had to do with getting connected with the right people at the right moment or those yeah. people finding him at the right moment. However those moments happen, that bit of luck that we always talk about that separates a, uh, a good songwriter from a successful songwriter. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the eyes of the world. It's, it's interesting. Anyway, that was very... Wonderful news to us. We we just are such yeah. fans of Henry. Yeah, and in all the way. Love, I just love watching how he's growing and how he's, uh, you know, his life is expanding outward in in wonderful directions, and it's all because he knows he's got a gift, you know. So, the other notable thing I would say about this week was uh, rediscovering a debate that we had watched. Quite some number of years ago. Because um, Christopher Hitchens has been dead for a few years, right? Yeah. And and seeing it almost like a, a fresh thing that we had never seen. And the way we came across this debate was because of my constant searching on Stephen Fry, who I am uh, had mentioned last week. I'm quite the devotee of his intellect and his um, and his ability to make almost any topic interesting. Yeah. He has a gift for uh, extemporaneous talking, uh, intelligence. It just flows out of him. He's uh, truly a polymath, too. Yeah. He, he knows about a number of things. Yeah. He's had a number of shows about a number of different topics and he is ever branching outwards in his own uh, experiences and what he's talking about Mm -hmm. but uh, this debate was actually uh, the premise was is the catholic church a force for good in the world and he was on the he and christopher hitchens were on the no it is not side and it was it's just an amazing debate. It's just wonderful to watch uh, 
smart people talking about something in a civilized, no shouting kind of way because so much of what we consume in media these days is just shouting matches. Well, and insult matches yeah. as well. Yeah. Or uh, the thing that has bothered me for, I don't know how many years this has been in, a, in force, is people not even letting another person finish a thought without talking over them and mm. and beleaguering them in some way. And the way. fact that, that media has turned our uh, political culture into a, a, a game of, of appearances, mm. you know, the fact that Biden said this makes it look like this, and you know, blah, blah, blah. it's like people taking Ugh. someone's words and sh- slotting them into a, a fixed set of ideas that are already in place. And it's like, you know, you can't. That's not no no, no way to get at the truth. Well, and that's <laughs> why it's such a, it's just a breath of fresh air to watch people, intelligent people who are pre-prepared mm-hmm. for this debate actually go through the rules of the debate stating their opinions having a chance of rebuttal after the other person states their opinions having other people from the audience be able to question in this particular debate it was more comments than questions because people had some very um decided very fixed ideas ideas about where they stood on this topic and were trying to Get their um, two cents worth in. Give their two cents worth. But one of the things that was really interesting to me about watching that, and particularly the comments that everybody had after the debate, or, you know what, before they uh, summed it all up, is that when it comes to issues of belief, uh, something that you believe it's really hard for people to have that belief countered and i i personally believe it's because you have built a foundation we've talked about this before uh, that at some point in your life you really are usually called upon to deconstruct a notion that you previously had and it's an unpleasant experience in a lot of ways but Actually, that's why I like debate. I like having some of my own beliefs countered right. and um, and a chance to sort of look at them in a stark light rather than just thinking, oh, yeah, I believe this and, and it is true. Right. You know? right. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting thing to watch because you realize at some point that they're, they're not talking about is belief bad in the world is religion bad in the world they're just talking about a particular institution and its actions that's right and that was what and and so i think some of the audience members who were coming back at them felt that their faith was being challenged here right when it's not I, i really don't think that's what's being challenged you know it's the institution the human made uh uh corporation and and what it has done in the world that's what they were talking about more than his belief in christ as the risen son of god you know well and they both stated uh both the the people who were against it who were christopher hitchens and um and stephen fry they both stated at the outset 
we are not debating about whether your your faith is incorrect or incorrect yeah. we're stating this about a particular method of the church yeah. of of uh going through this and they were a marvelous debate team those two and the other two i'm afraid to say were not uh as as good at putting their points across um and it was interesting because one of the um the people who were who was for the proposition that the catholic church is a force for good in the world she was very uh personal in her attack on christopher hitchens and i thought wow that's really interesting how she's making it personal is that something that people must do when they see that their intellectual arguments are failing you know yeah or, i don't know yeah, i don't know it seems like a misinterpretation of the of the point of the debate you know but she, she's not speaking to the point of the debate but it's very interesting this this group that puts on the debates is called intelligence squared and uh this particular group was in england but there is also uh, branches in the U.S. And, and they all work from the same website. And I started watching another debate this morning. I'm thinking about watching at least a debate a week because it's such a, uh, in, my, in my university education after my retirement, yes. this is a really fine way to increase your knowledge about the world by hearing different people with different points of view yeah. debating. Yeah. And because you're exposed to the, all, all of the ideas from both sides of the right. argument. Because so far when I am listening, I really am doing what the audience is supposed to do. You're weighing and measuring the arguments. Right. You may see, you, you might say, well, this person really did have a point here, and yet the preponderance of the the argument is going in my mind to this group, and it's but it's interesting to hear somebody actually state an intelligent uh, debate point to have have constructed a debate with all their points and that they have. Uh, because they don't have much time to state it. So they've got to be concise. Mm -hmm. They've got to be really uh, flowing from one argument to the other to really make their points made. And at the end, they actually uh, pull the audience. They've pulled the audience before the debate. the debate to see what they thought, and then they pull them afterwards to see if anybody's... Uh, ideas were swayed by the debate and in the one that we watched it was considerably swayed yeah. uh, by the debate yeah. uh, to the side of Stephen Fry and Christopher Hitchens and I think it was the power of their arguments they really made a strong um, strong yeah and whoever set up the debate uh, I think part of it had to do with the people who were invited to defend on both sides because uh, I, I really do feel that for sheer eloquence and, and concision of thought and, you know, 
using their time to their to its full uh, capability. I think Hitchens and Fried just walked all over the other two, and that I don't think it was because I think they could have found more eloquent people to speak on the positive. And, I think uh, they might have, but I don't know how they make those decisions. Yeah, I don't know either. But I it was, could be that that they go to an organization and say, "Who do you want? Who, do you, who are your best people to talk yeah. about at this point?" Yeah. But it, however it, it is, I I yeah. was watching one today. We never talk about politics on our show, but I will say that this one is whether Donald Trump should be prosecuted, right. and. The arguments are eloquent on both sides. Yeah. It's very interesting to watch. So are you going to the so, website? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to the website. Okay. And if you even just type in Intelligence Squared, yeah. Yeah. you'll get to their website. And they have an incredible uh, number of debates. And that's why I was thinking, man, I think I'm just going to yeah. watch a debate a week because... I feel like so many times I, I'm very muddled about the news of the day because it's coming at you so fast. You know, it's just like, bum, 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 bum. And you don't even have time to think about what your opinion is about anything right. because you're just uh, sort of writing this, this wave of information. Well, yeah, because I think the media tends, uh, when, it's over, when you're oversaturated in media like most people are these days, it makes you numb. That you know your sense of powerlessness has you. You've forgotten that you're powerless. You just are just kind of inert. You are rendered inert, and I don't think that's a good place to be. And we've convinced ourselves that uh, watching this is doing something, and it's not. That's right. It's not doing anything. But watching a debate about the uh, the items of the day. Mm-hmm where it's not tending towards either side, that it's not mm-hmm. slanted to make you think a certain way. Right, it doesn't make you numb. It doesn't make you numb. It engages your intellect yeah. in it. So yeah. You're allowed but, to be a participant just because the format is designed that way. This is how intelligent people talk about an issue. This is how, you know, places like, you know, Congress and the Senate... This is how they were designed to work. That's right. And uh, when was the last time we saw it working like that? Well, during the January 6th hearings. Well, yeah, but that's, you know. um, But I I do feel like there is a real uh, invitation for our intellect to be involved in a debate uh, being shown like this. Yeah. And I really wish that there was a way that we could get that more into into our society. And I don't know exactly how you do that. Um, because it seems like the easier thing is just to, to be all, you know, I'm on this side and I'm not going to change my mind and you're evil. And, but that is the way of all destruction, uh, all destruction... Uh, that is caused by war is caused by that opinion. Right. So right. I always feel like let's let's get a little bit of understanding and, and have somebody, you know, shake your beliefs a bit. And, yeah, and it's not about so. not having fixed beliefs. It's about having fixed beliefs, but being having a quality of openness to you, 
and a recognition that your set of beliefs are not the only one. But not only that, I, I have felt for a long time because my parents and I were of different ideological camps. And yet we made points to each other that that the other would say that's a really good point yeah. you know and we wouldn't just say oh no you're stupid you know you were because we were close to each other i could see where they were coming from and why they were reaching the conclusions they were they could see why i was coming from where i was and why i made the conclusions so you're you're you get an early uh, knowledge of the fact that there is generational thinking and that our parents thought the way they thought because of the times they grew up in. We think the way we think because of the times we grew up in. Our children are, have the way they think because of the times they grew up in. That's just the way life is. That's right. And uh, you just need to allow for that at some point. And, uh, you know, and not feel like you have to change it in order to win or something. You know, this, this idea of winning yeah, that's uh, very... It, it works against the common good, ultimately, you know. You know, and when you talk about government, government is supposed to be in service to the people they represent. They're supposed to be doing those people's business. They're not. They're not doing our business. Yeah, there's actually uh, a debate that I want to watch this week that is, have our political forces failed us or mm. something like that? I was thinking, mm. well... That'll be interesting to see yeah. uh, who is in that debate right. and what their points are made. Anyway, so yeah. that was a big part of, uh, you know, it, we're always just kind of doing the highlights of the week. and right. the, the poetry saying, break was good. And the poetry break was... I think, I think the, the Walt Whitman that you sent me was, was a hit. And, and I was, it was really interesting because I have been kind of averse to reading longer pieces but I don't think I should be as averse to that as I've been because that was a pretty long piece. But also, I, I don't know. There are poets who are easier to read aloud and poets who are more challenging to read aloud. So, Well, the Walt Whitman uh, poem that I sent to Bill came about because there was a... I, I subscribe to this online newsletter that just has uplifting, inspirational information but not the kind of cutesy stuff they, they're dredging the the mind for for things that are positive from people like Walt Whitman or different poets um, different thinkers Tolstoy various people in the the past and what's this, it called it's called the Marginia Marginalian or something like that. That's why I didn't the really. Marginalian. Marginalian. Yeah, I think it's marginalian. And it used to be called brain pickings. Right. That's what I was remember. Is and it brain? okay. Please. And now it's uh, it's just got an odd name. I wish they'd continue to just call it brain pickings because that's the way I think of it. Yeah. But this particular article that they sent around was about Walt Whitman in his old age. And it was including some of his thoughts about how after he... Uh, he had a stroke in his 50s, I think. He had a stroke in his 50s and was half paralyzed. Yeah. And 
that he found a great deal of, of comfort through being in nature and was talking about that. So in that article, they said that his book, Specimen Days, which is his book that is... Kind of like his journal of life. You know? His journal of life yeah. from his older age was a tremendous a series of uh, texts. And so I was looking it up. I just wrote Walt Whitman on old age in the search field and came upon this poem. But I wanted to tell you, and I, I hadn't had a chance to, that the reason why you haven't seen it in Specimen Days is what the the person who is doing this website had done is taken all the phrases that he had written in his text and strung them out like a poem. So it was from Specimen Days. It was from Specimen Days, uh, but it was sort of like he was pulling it and making it into the poem that was never written, but it's all his own words. Oh, I wish I'd known that. Well, I wish I had known that too, but yeah. I just explored that a little afterwards. Uh, um, you can say it on the poetry break next time. Can I? Yeah. Okay. You know, but, but it doesn't matter right. because the points that he was making were so wonderful and very, uh, for me, very visceral, as most Walt Whitman poems are. Right. I still remember when I first heard Song of Myself, and I heard it because the teacher was reading it. Right. And, and I was also reading it uh, in my dorm room yeah. afterwards. I just felt this this uplift from that poem that just astounded me. I, I felt sort of an ecstasy from reading that poem. Yeah. And so it was interesting because that poem was written when Walt Whitman is at his prime and he was this in his prime in his body and his mind. And then to read what he feels about old age was equally uplifting and ecstatic for me. Um, and to think that he had written it when he was half paralyzed, that was quite a uh, yeah, wonderful he could, thing. He could still get around, but he was slow and walked with a cane and, and things like that. So he could still ambulate, but it wasn't easy. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was very effective. But then, so were the Lynn Unger poems that you read, and yeah, um, yeah Lynn Unger is a new discovery to me. Um, trying to decide where she falls in all of this continua of poetry that I'm being exposed to right now. I don't know. She's good though. And I was the one who introduced you I to know. her. I forgot that one <laughs> on the show. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I saw was... that you that you said that in the comments. I was yeah. Like, yeah, that's right. Because it was that poem, Bullies, which right. was so wonderful. Right. Anyway. So, so poetry is a big part of my week. And it's hard to, you know, but I feel kind of like I understand the Walt Whitman. What, what Walt Whitman did better than any other writer, I think, is sit in it. Just sit there and describe what was swirling in his mind in the moment, but staying and not saying, okay, enough, and moving on to something else. He just sat in it and let it kind of wash over him, and he would, that's the way he wrote it down, was 
Yeah. I don't know. He's. You feel like as if if you read it off the page, you think, well, isn't he just saying the same things over and over again? But he's not. He's like swirling in a in a ever widening, or maybe it's the other way, and he's drilling downward and spiraling downward. But he's he's got a kind of circularity to his to it, especially to his longer poems that that uh, that fits and works because it's not the same every time around. Every time he's picking up a new something. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean, though? I do. And I think that it's wonderful to be able to enjoy a poet's writings when he was young, when you were young, and then to enjoy his poetry from when he was old, when you are old. It's pretty amazing. It's so funny to think whenever I get a collected poems volume of somebody, one of those big fat ones, I always start at the end. I read the last stuff first because I feel like that's the stuff that's going to speak most into my life. And then I can, I can go and see where all that came from or what it grew out of. And it just makes more sense at this point in my life to go at, especially a poet that I've not been exposed to much and, uh, start with what he wrote towards what he or she wrote towards the end of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, It's, it's fun. It's a fun thing to be swirling around in, but it feels kind of, you know, because of where it sits in society, it's a little, it's a little uh, niche you know. Before we talk about the music, I just want to say that we have received a, a challenge from Charlotte to uh, to put together a, a greatest hits of our. Oh, a compilation <laughs> like a playlist. I was thinking. I don't think. I don't think we can, Charlotte. Yeah, I bet we could. Well. Before you go, you'll have to you'll have to see. Mm-hmm. But when we first started this whole thing, it was a shorter. Well, you know, we we didn't just sit and hold forth the way that we do now. And it was probably better back then. It was <laughs> it was kind of formless. You know, it was just kind of let's see what happens, and this is what happened. And a lot of it was, I think, a lot funnier and and. Uh, sillier it was very silly at the beginning was it yeah we had a lot of silly conversations but they were wonderful sure buddy (laughs) (laughs) whatever you say what is she when she says greatest hits oh she she's talking about the beginnings of the show Wasn't she the first four minutes or something well i don't know i I can't remember what i read that and i was kind of like that's interesting idea but I think we I still think we should put up one of the first ones maybe the ones about the squirrels about the squirrels because Stella and Rico Stella and Rico well that was a long time ago it was a long time ago we've been doing this for a long time I know 400 and some episodes it's a lot of weeks the whole idea that Bill first had about this was just that he he believes that everybody's life is interesting if you just talk about it. Mm. So he had said to me, what do you think about just doing a show on a Saturday and just talking about whatever comes into our minds? And I said, well, I'm game. You know, I'm game to do it. And it uh, it has has formed its own thing and Mm. to tell you the truth 
what you're getting with the Bill and Diane show is a conversation that we would have had just on our own. And I think that that is, um, is sort of like my dinner with Andre. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a bad idea to sit and talk about your week, you know, and what the good parts and the bad parts were and what, you know, where your mind has been, what you've been thinking about, you know, what you've been seeing and how you've reacted to it, stuff like that. I don't think that's a bad thing to do. I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah. I think it's a even wonderful... If even if it's not something that you're recording for posterior. <laughs> <clears throat> you know. uh, Henry, he meant posterity. Just oh. He was just trying to be funny. Yeah. Just in case you didn't get that. Right. And she only says that because she knows I failed. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. To be funny. <laughs> in that moment. So. You boy. Just clarifying the clarification. That's good coffee. <laughs> I uh, I actually feel that if people could really slow down on a Saturday morning as we have and just talk to each other about what is going on during their weeks and what what were what they thought were oh, highlights yeah. uh, it really I don't know it's a really wonderful aspect of our relationship I think that we actually hear what each other are thinking about yeah. things yeah. on a Saturday morning. I agree. So it's, you know, it's turned from a, a, some silliness into a very much a therapy session <laughs> of, of a sort. But, uh, you know, at least both of you are still listening, so <laughs> what the heck. And we didn't used to have music on the show. But we, we started at, at one point because we were talking about our love of Jethro Tull and we played a few little snippets and uh, people liked it so much they said that we should include little snippets of music and so we started playing a little bit of music. Is that and what we did? That's what we did. Okay. And this week we have chosen uh, The Logical Song by Supertramp because uh, this morning I was thinking about Intelligence Squared and all the the material I'm digesting and and how it conflicts with that part of me that just believes in magic and and the magic of the world and the beauty of the world and um, I always love this song for exploring that notion mm -hmm. but the funny thing is that unlike what I felt when I first heard this song because when I first heard it when I was I mean it's got to be in the 1970s I think I was in college when I first heard this song yeah and I loved it from the moment I heard it yeah but the I felt more the plaintive oh my gosh you know the magic is disappearing and I it's replaced by all these different aspects of life of being useful and intelligent and all that but as an older person i feel like it's more of a challenge how do you balance that because yeah. you can't live in the magic of childhood forever as much as you wish you could yeah. because there is something more expected of you in life so i really like now thinking about how do you balance that yeah it's true it's a good time of life to be weighing that uh, balance. And, you know, but I, 
I do like, though, that he says, uh, watch what you say. They'll be calling you a radical, yeah. a liberal, <laughs> fanatical, yeah. criminal, yeah. you know, because uh, the liberal point of view is one that is often made into this uh, disparaging comment. You know, you're liberal. Socialist. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Super Trump! <laughs> <laughs>